In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is the 23rd Sunday of Pentecost, so we are very near the end of this long season. We only have two more Sundays of this season after today. Uh, Indeed, in two weeks will be Christ the King Sunday, the culmination of this period after Pentecost. And then we have Advent, the last Sunday of November. So here we are at the end of this period, and we're almost to that Advent season where we uh, prepare ourselves for the second coming of Christ uh, by remembering, celebrating the first coming at Christmas. And so that season of preparation, of watchfulness, uh, is really being anticipated by the lesson this morning where we're being told to, to watch. This is a period in Jesus' ministry where you remember he's already entered into Jerusalem. He's cleansed the temple. He's had this uh, dialogue back and forth with the chief priests and elders. Their questions have been answered. They've been silenced. They don't know what to say. And now he begins to warn them and the gathered group. He says, uh, you have to beware because uh, I will come again to judge. And you have to be prepared for that. And so in his telling them, be prepared uh, for this coming again, he tells this parable about preparation. The parable is about these ten virgins. It's important that they be virgins, and it's important that we all identify ourselves uh, as being virgin-like as Christians, uh, just the way that we all have to be sons and heirs. We all also have to be virgins, because we're all going to be married to Christ, who is the groom. And so we're all preparing ourselves uh, for the coming of the groom. And as virgins, we're supposed to be keeping ourselves unstained and unspotted from the world, not entering into contracts with the rest of the world. The rest of the world would invite us to to contract ourselves, to to agree to the things of the world, to become part of the world, and to marry ourselves to the ideas of the world. And we're supposed to remain separate from those contracts and those ideas, waiting and preparing for the coming of our Lord, anticipating Him, and doing everything we can to be ready to meet Him uh, with the light of Uh, his love and compassion with the light of his righteousness and justice. That's what these lamps shine forth with. They shine forth with the light of Christ. And he is life, and he is goodness, and he is righteousness. And that's what our lives are supposed to be shining with. The thing is, you can be a virgin and still be foolish. That's our warning. We can know what goodness is, we can know what righteousness is, we can know the right way to go, but we haven't been preparing ourselves, we haven't been making sure that that virtue is alive in our lives, thinking, oh, tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, I'll do what I need to do to gather that virtue into my life. The lamp is a wonderful analogy, the shining forth, uh, because the lamp requires this fuel, this oil, which is the virtue of God. It is the power of the Holy Spirit, the grace of the Holy Spirit that we can only get from him. And then the wick is uh, what burns out, and it always has to be trimmed and prepared, so it's always having to be tended. And that's the way our lives are. We can receive the power of the Holy Spirit, but if we're not tending, if we're not paying attention to the way that our lives are being uh, viewed by others in the way that we're putting forward ourselves, the way that we're speaking and the way that we're acting, uh, we can allow lots of smoke and lots of excess to be in our lives. The, the wicks uh, are these uh, thin pieces of string that come out of this bowl that holds the oil. And if you know, the ends can become frayed. 
The lamp is burning, but that frayed end produces all this smoke and a dull flame. But if it's tended, if it's cut short, uh, then there's this bright, clear flame. And that's the way our lives are supposed to be. A bright, clear flame showing forth constantly uh, the love of God, the compassion of God, without any excess, without any smoke, without any of the sin that the world would encroach upon us. We also see uh, that they all fall asleep. No matter whether they were wise or whether they were foolish, they all became drowsy and slept. So we have to know that uh, we have a weakness in ourselves. We're all going to get sick and die. We're all going to have distractions in our life. And there's no getting around that. There's no saying, well, I won't get sick or I won't die or there won't be tragedy in my life or there won't be disease in the world or I'll live in a place without war or famine. No, that happens to all of us. And so we all have to know that that's going to happen and so we have to be prepared as these wise virgins he comes at midnight this is when he's least expected and so we all have to know that the lord is coming when we least expect him Uh, we're not going to be ready and anticipatory unless we've had this daily practice of coming to the lord and receiving his grace it's this anticipation of, uh, of need, this anticipation of, of knowing that we have to have the Lord in the front of our lives that Amos is trying to talk about uh, to the people of God. Amos is probably uh, my favorite prophet because he's a shepherd and because he's a tree uh, trimmer, you know, he's just this simple man uh, leading this simple life and the Lord says, nope. Put down the pruning shears and come and speak to the people of God. And this just shows us over and over again uh, that the Lord doesn't need people of high station or degree, that he's not picking people uh, that have this uh, special preparation. He can use anybody uh, to bring them and to minister to his people. And indeed, Amos uses those analogies of uh, the simple rural life to explain the truths of God. He's uh, from the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, but he's going up and he's ministering to the northern kingdom of Israel because they're about to fall to the Assyrians. They're very close. And they'd become proud in their own kingdom, and they'd become proud in their own military. They'd become proud and hoping that the Lord was going to preserve this kingdom. And the Lord is telling the people of God over and over again, your kings are going to fall, your kingdoms are going to be destroyed, your armies are going to be destroyed, and I'm going to have you in the palm of my hand. And over and over again, the people of God forget that. The people of God forgot it in Rome in 450 when the invading uh, vandals and pagan tribes from Germany came in and destroyed the city of God. They thought this was going to be the, the kingdom of God on earth. Constantine had founded Constantinople in 315 AD. He had uh, permitted the free expression of Christianity and he founded the Eastern Empire there in Constantinople and it stood as a Christian kingdom for a thousand years. A thousand years. That our, our republic is barely 250. A thousand years. And it falls in 1485. And this is, what, 20 some years before Christopher Columbus even discovers the Western Hemisphere. A thousand years of a Christian kingdom standing, it collapses. And the people of God thought, oh no. Uh, The Lord is coming again because this kingdom that's been established is destroyed. Because we put our faith in politics 
and in politicians and in kingdoms and in militaries. And the Lord says, no, you need to only have your faith in me. And while we're busy running from all of these things, Amos says, it's like someone who's been running away from a lion and things that they got safe and then they're in front of a bear, right? And the Lord's saying, I'm the bear. Be worried about me. Be worried about my righteousness. Be worried about my virtue. Be worried about my intentions and my will. Don't be worried about what the rest of the world is doing. Don't be worried about all these kingdoms and principalities and all these things that you think are dangerous in the world. Be focused upon me and my will. Don't think that uh, everything is going to be safe once you come to me. The Lord is saying, I'm going to judge your life according to my will. And then he says, I'm not so impressed by your holy services. This is not the end. We're not here to meet together this morning and then say, we did it. We're good Christians now. I went to church this Sunday. I'm a good Christian. This is a means. What we're doing here today is a means to the end, and the end is to be in the service of God in accordance with His will. This is a tool. Worshiping, Reading our Bibles every day, praying every day, singing hymns every day. These are tools that bring us in alignment with God's will. And the Lord is saying, don't mistake these tools, these means for the end, which is righteousness and virtue in me. And so St. Paul is telling us that when we're in this struggle, when we're working to remind ourselves in one another of this life of virtue, he's saying, don't think that you're doing all of this without hope. See, the world likes to talk about happiness, and happiness is fleeting. Happiness we never quite get. But hope and joy are always with us when we're in the Lord. When we're with Him, hope and joy is always there. We can grieve, we can be sad, We can know that we're in disease and we can see tragedy and still have hope. We can have difficulties in our lives and still have joy when we're in the Lord. And so St. Paul is saying when we're in the Lord, when we're with Him, then we're even able to grieve, but still have hope in Him. Aren't those wise virgins kind of mean? They wouldn't share. I went to kindergarten. They told me I'm always supposed to share. Why wouldn't they share? Because they didn't have anything to give. There's only one place to get righteousness. No one can give it to you but God. There's only one place to get hope. No one can give it to you but God. There's only one place to get joy. No one can give it to you but God. We can't give it to each other. We can't leave it in our wills to our children or our grandchildren. It only comes from the Lord. And if we're with Him, if we're obedient to Him, if we are seeking Him, we will always have His righteousness burning brightly in our lives to display His love and compassion for the world in us. May we be bright flames, and may righteousness roll down like waters this day and forevermore. Amen.